From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Most of us have been following public health guidelines of wearing a mask that covers our mouth and nose when we're in public. But what are the challenges for people who have hearing loss? I'm talking about this with Dr. Brian Nicholas. He's an associate professor of otolaryngology at Upstate. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Nicholas. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, it seems like mask wearing is going to be with us for a while, and I hadn't realized how much I relied on being able to see the bottom half of people's faces just to sort of understand their mood and what and what they're saying. Um, and and it made me think, you know, how are people who have a hearing impairment how are they coping with this? Uh, well, it's a great question. That's a question uh, that that I see in in, in practice really every day. Um, a lot of the patients that I see have underlying hearing impairment. And so when we further compromise their ability to, to communicate by removing visual cues, it can take a challenging situation and make it uh, untenable, frankly. All of us, whether we have a hearing impairment or not, um, really do use our eyes to pick up what our ears miss. And so there's really a few issues with, with the use of masks that, that um, are germane to that. One is that the masks simply are a barrier and they muffle sound. Um, so that is problematic for those of us who have near normal or mild hearing loss, and it's it's doubly problematic for folks who have uh, a larger deficit than that. Um, and it, it, the sound uh, in particular that gets that gets muffled frequently are, are the high pitches, which are the consonant sounds. Shh which often dictate not whether we can hear something, but how clear the words are. And so we can hear that somebody's saying something to us, but our ability to differentiate one word from the other without those high-pitched consonant sounds is often very difficult. So there is the, 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 the barrier of the mask itself and how it muffles our sound. But uh, another big issue is, is its removal of our um, visual cues. And that's really facial expressions, uh, whether we're smiling or um, giving a, a wry smirk, or whether the the receiver can see our lip movements. Um, one of the things that happens is as we lose hearing, we start uh, compensating subconsciously, and we use our eyes to look at lip movements to help augment our own natural hearing. Um, so there are several issues really at play that masks um, relate to, and it is uh, a big problem for those with significant hearing loss and even those with, with, without uh, significant loss, or maybe those patients or, or folks who don't wear hearing aids are just now finding out that maybe they could consider them. Well, and, and if, if the sound is muffled, I think our instinct is to lean closer, and that's really not what we should be doing right now, right? So that's exactly, that's exactly right. In this era of, of social distancing and masking, you're, you're compounding the issue by removing visual cues, but also adding distance between speakers. So um, that has to do with something called the signal-to-noise ratio. When you remove in space... Uh, one's voice from the receiver or the ear, um, that ratio becomes less favorable. The background noise, and in almost every environment, there's some background noise. That becomes more audible related to the person's voice who you're trying to hear. And I've noticed, too, some people have eyes that are more expressive than others. So you might be able to, it might help you with some people, 
um, just their eyes, but others, others, it becomes, you know, it's difficult to understand what they're trying to convey. That's exactly right. And so, um, you know, these are little nuanced things that uh, probably to this point weren't really all that appreciated or recognized, um, but how expressive the upper third of our faces really is something that um, goes a long way to aiding communication. Um, and that's something that is um, quite variable from person to person. Have you heard of people that are feeling like they're developing hearing loss, but it's really because of all of the muffled voices? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely folks who have, they might have a mild hearing loss um, and the barrier of the masks themselves is enough to sort of tip them over the edge. Um, but then also it, it it highlights how much we've been augmenting our, our hearing with the use of our eyes. And so in my own practice, we've seen a, 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 an influx of patients um, coming in either that they've noticed or their, their loved ones have noticed um, their hearing isn't quite so good. And it's not that they just now developed the hearing loss, it's that they were probably compensating reasonably well until the, the ability to, uh, to use their visual cues was taken away. Now, what about people who read lips? Are, I've seen these masks that sort of have a see-through opening or something. Are you supportive of masks like that? Yes. Um, so there are masks that have clear um, fronts to them. Um, even some masks with, with clear fronts that are medical grade and that have been approved by the FDA um, so these are um, these are incredibly helpful for day-to-day -day use, um, but also particularly in the medical setting. Um, communication is 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 essential uh, in the provider-patient relationship, and um, when that gets compromised by one's inability to to hear or to to see, um, you, there's great worry that those relationships will suffer. So in, in the healthcare setting in particular, uh, clear face masks are, are incredibly useful. So if someone wanted to purchase these, because I, I don't imagine they're easy to make, would you search for clear face mask? Is that how you would be able to find, you know, that's good exactly, quality? That's exactly right. Yep. So okay. they, they're out there. And, you know, I wish I could say that these were, were cheap and affordable, but um, they they range considerably in price, but um, they are they are somewhat pricey. Um, there are do-it-yourself um, uh, instructions out there, and, and guidelines and videos on YouTube that folks have posted, um, and just requiring a fair amount of of, of skill and, and material. Um, if you think of um, sort of that that clear tough plastic that you might get at a, from a tote bag at a, at a sporting event or something, if they're giving them away, right. that's sort of the material that is used um, for the clear window. And then how you affix that to the cutout portion of a mask is the other part that really might require a little bit of, uh, of um, uh, technical ability, whether sewing or, or using uh, a type of epoxy or glue. This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with otolaryngologist Dr. Brian Nicholas about the challenges of mask wearing for people who have hearing loss. So let me ask you about people who wear hearing aids or, or those who have a cochlear implant. Do the loops from the face masks interfere with the devices? 
Um, they can. Um, more often, it's it's discomfort. Um, cochlear implants traditionally would have an over-the-ear part, or we would call it a BTE, behind-the-ear part, and then a little coil connecting to a magnetic part that's worn above and behind the ear. So fitting the loop of, an, of a mask uh, to that region is a little problematic. Um, but more recently, the cochlear implant companies have um, developed processors that don't have the traditional behind the ear part. And so if it's just a magnetic disc worn off the ear, the ear loops are fine. Similarly, hearing aids, which are far, far, far more prevalent than cochlear implants, um, come in all sorts of variations. Um, traditionally, they are worn uh, above and slightly behind the ear, and that's called, again, a behind-the-ear aid. And the uh, loops can interfere. You can hear a rustling sound, and there can be some discomfort. So um, there certainly are um, other alternatives to ear loop masks that can be worn for people who have an aid or an implant or other appliance on the ear itself. So whether these are masks that have ties to them or some that, that uh, sort of go around the back of the neck, um, as long as it covers um, adequately the nose and the mouth uh, and to the sides as well, then um, those masks are suitable. Well, is uh, having a hearing aid, is that a, a reason not to wear a mask? I, I'm, I've heard that there are some exemptions for mask wearing, but is a hearing aid one of the exemptions? Um, Specifically, no. So the CDC does have exemptions for mask wearing, but it's more related to hearing impaired folks um, rather than um, specifically hearing aid users. And the guidance is more based on the ability of the hearing impaired person to receive sound um, and whether the person who they're speaking to is required to wear the mask. So the CDC states that um, Folks who are hearing impaired or communicating with someone who isn't hearing impaired um, have an exemption when the ability to see the mouth is essential for communication. So there are ways to um, communicate verbally with folks who have hearing impairment, um, like reducing background noise and other, other techniques um, that may allow for the use of masks, but that is an exemption from the CDC. Well, let's go over, because I wanted to ask your advice for someone who is not hard of hearing. What can they do when they encounter someone who is hard of hearing? How can they help improve communication? You mentioned reducing background noise, which, I mean, that may mean changing locations, right? You can't turn the noise off at, at the grocery store. That's that's right. I mean, there are certainly times where we have a greater ability to control background noise than others. A car, for instance, is is um, incredibly loud. Just the passing traffic or horns or um, maybe music. So things in a car that we can control are the windows being up and the fan of the heater or the air conditioning being low and the music being off. Um, these are ways that we can limit background noise in an otherwise challenging environment. But there are other ways. I mean, certainly facing the person you're speaking to, ensuring that the person you're speaking to, uh, that you have their attention uh, so that they know you're speaking to them. And uh, a really big, big thing is speaking slowly and speaking slightly louder. So hearing impaired folks often have what's called a reduced dynamic range. Um, for somebody who's got normal hearing, they might be able to hear 
zero, five decibels, and they can tolerate 100, 105, 110 decibels. And we would call that difference a dynamic range of, in this case, 100 or 105 decibels. Folks with hearing impairment, it often needs to be louder for them to hear it, let's say 50 decibels. But if it's 75 decibels, it's too loud and they can't tolerate that. And the, the words become more distorted at louder uh, levels. So slightly louder and being conscious of not shouting is, is important. So speaking slowly and slightly louder. And then there are other, other means of communicating, whether it's speech to text software or low tech options like a tablet, and a pen or a whiteboard. So these are, these are ways that um, we found have uh, allowed uh, improved communication in what is uh, quite a challenging situation. Are there apps that translate speech into text in real time that you endorse? Are you familiar uh, with any that work really well? Yeah, there are. There's some wonderful um, apps that are out there. And, you know, like a lot of these things, I learn about them from my patients. Um, I have a patient who's awaiting cochlear implantation, and she has an app that just, it, it was profound how, how well it worked, to be honest with you. Um, and it allows her and I and uh, her husband actually to all sort of communicate and it, 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 it picks up all of this sound and she does a good job of separating what's coming from me versus what's coming from her husband. And that can get a little jumbled, but there are certainly apps. Um, some of them are free. Um, others um, require, you know, a $2 or $3 a month. Um, the one that we've been uh, using uh, at work is something called Live Transcribe. And that's been uh, a really useful app for our patients uh, where doing those other techniques help, but they don't help quite enough. So live transcribe. And so, I mean, this could be for something who, someone who is just having problems now that doesn't really have a diagnosed hearing deficiency, but they're having challenges because everyone's in a mask now. That might be something that would help the person. Absolutely. And, and, and it's similar to, to closed captioning. I mean, I get asked maybe, I don't know, a couple times a week um, by uh, folks who have always or recently anyway found that closed captioning on the TV has really helped them. And they've never noticed a hearing loss prior to that. So sometimes whether there's an accent or somebody speaking really fast and you just might miss a little bit, it's enough to get you behind the eight ball. So using text, um, if the technology is there to keep up, and that's always been the challenge, but if the technology is there to keep up with normal conversational speech, then it's really wonderful technology. A lot of the video platforms um, are um, separating themselves, and we're all familiar with Zoom and WebEx and others now, um, but many of them have voice-to-text uh, software built in so that if somebody's on a work uh, Zoom or something or a work meeting uh, remotely, um, they have the ability to see on the screen what the speaker is actually actually saying. Well, that's really good to know. Now, let me ask you, we're, we're all wearing masks now, but hopefully this won't go on indefinitely. Right. Fast forward into the future when we don't have to wear masks anymore. Will our bodies naturally go back to being able to interpret you know, from people's mouths, or are we going to have to relearn or reteach our brains how to sort of help us understand? 
That's a great question. I, I suspect um, we will sort of do it subconsciously the way we did it the first time. And um, very often it's not until our visual cues are taken away that we realize how much we relied on them. And I think once we're given that ability back, it will it will happen seamlessly that we 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 do that again. Um, so I don't think it will be a conscious relearning. I think more likely it will be a, a subconscious uh, and rapid relearning. Well, this has been very helpful. Thank you so much to Dr. Brian Nicholas. He's an associate professor of otolaryngology at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.